Good morning. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21 Words do have a lot of power, don't they? Words can encourage and words can kill. They can devastate. When you think about words, probably the three most difficult words in any language, I was wrong. I am sorry. I have sinned. Whatever the language, however it translates into a particular language, those words can be amazingly difficult. The three most delightful words, unquestionably, I love you. I love you. The most precious word in all the world has to be the word Jesus. Jesus. As we were singing today, Jesus, name above all names, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. The most precious word. You shall call his name Jesus, Scripture says, Matthew 1, 21-23, because he will save his people from their sins. The most dynamic word. That's really what I'd like for us to think about today. The most dynamic word in any language is the word salvation. Salvation. The word salvation quite simply means to deliver or rescue from danger or loss. To deliver, to rescue from danger or loss. Sometimes people leave for for school or they leave for the office, they leave for the job, and they have no idea the dangers that await and the possible loss. Because not everyone comes home at the end of the day, do they? To deliver or rescue from danger or loss, whether this is fully realized or not, is another matter. But salvation, to have deliverance or rescue when we could have been lost and in a place of danger, that's precious. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, What shall a man be profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? That really is dealing with salvation. Whatever one gains really doesn't profit if one loses one's soul. The implications of salvation are tremendous. Whether we're talking about the act of physically saving someone or we're talking about the soul's salvation. 
implied in the idea of salvation is that one needs and desires deliverance and rescue. Not everyone would. Physically, from danger or harm or loss. Spiritually, as serious as one would think it would be to, to, to not really take into consideration salvation if one could be delivered or rescued physically, how many more people fail to take into proper consideration that deliverance and rescue is possible for their soul? The other implication is this, that someone is willing and able to deliver and rescue one who's in danger of being lost. The Bible says in Hebrews 7.25 that Jesus is able to save completely those that draw near to God through him. Let's focus just briefly on this first part, that one needs and desires to be delivered and rescued. Maybe we don't see the, the application of that in our own lives enough as it concerns one's soul. I don't know of a more important subject for me to talk about than the matter of salvation. Imagine being a person who is sick and dying and needing to see a doctor and needing medicine but refusing to see a doctor and receiving proper treatment. In Isaiah chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, the Bible speaks of a group of people who were full of sin in their head and in their hearts. Surprisingly, this is God's own people. From the sole of their feet to the top of their head, they are in need of a doctor and medicine because of decisions that they have made in their lives that violate God's will. And in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32, Jesus said, I have come not to help those who are healthy and well, but to help those who are sick. It's the sick that are in need of a physician. How about a criminal who knows that he's guilty, he still wants a lawyer to plead his case in Romans chapter 3, the Bible indicates there is none who's really righteous. No, not one. You may think of yourself as a good moral person. Are you capable of saving yourself? There is none righteous. No, not one. And so it's Jesus who is our lawyer, our advocate 1 John 2, verse 1. Imagine drowning. Imagine being far from land, overwhelmed by water. Sometimes we feel that way metaphorically. But imagine being in that position literally and someone being present who would be your lifeguard, who would be your savior, who would rescue you from a dangerous and potentially life-threatening circumstance. 
In Psalm chapter 69, the opening verses, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist speaks of being overwhelmed in his life. As he thinks about his life, as he thinks about his circumstances, as he thinks about sin, and he wants a deliverer. He wants rescue. Listen, please, because I want to approach a biblical topic a crucial biblical topic as simply as I can today. Presently, you are either in a life cycle or a death cycle. A life cycle or a death cycle. In Romans 8 verses 1 and 2, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death, the cycle of death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that liberates, that frees the life cycle. Here's what the sermon, our studies, all about this morning and this evening. Who saves? What saves? Who saves and what saves? And really, shouldn't we let the Bible speak? On this subject, isn't it necessary to let God answer? Now, here's what I want to share with you. If we go to the Word of God and to the New Testament especially, if we go to the New Testament and we ask the question, who saves and what saves according to the New Testament, we will get 27 answers. 27. They are different in a way, and yet they are interrelated. Don't mistake that for a moment. Who saves? What saves? 27 responses to the question in the New Testament, who saves or what saves? Why don't we let the Bible answer? In answering the question, the Bible says God the Father saves. He rescues. He delivers man and man's soul from the pathetic plight of sin where we have violated his will. In 1 Peter chapter 1, notice verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has let us be born again. Their salvation terms. Who has begotten us again by the resurrection of Jesus to a living hope. Who saves? God the Father. He gives this incorruptible inheritance. That's what the passage goes on to say in verses 3 through 5. Who saves? God the Son. Jesus. 
Paul would say this. He would say, faithful is the saying and worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. 1 Timothy 1.15 Jesus said himself, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Rescue and deliverance were needed. Luke 19 and verse 10. Who saves? What saves? The Word of God is just as clear, ladies and gentlemen, that God the Holy Spirit saves. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11. Speaking of the former way of living in verses 9 and 10, of some people who'd come to the Lord... A contrast is drawn, but you now are no longer living that way. You were washed, you were justified, you were sanctified. Washed, justified, sanctified. If I could put it in very simple terminology, he's saying you were saved. Isn't that right? You're made right with God. By the Lord Jesus Christ, and notice this, by The Holy Spirit. Do you see what the passage says? Who saves? Father, Son, Spirit. That's what the Word of God reveals. But that's not all. Who and what save? Grace saves. Grace saves. Ephesians 2 verse 8, for by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God aforetime ordained that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Saved by grace, Acts 15, 11. Saved by grace, we have been justified, saved freely by His grace. Romans 3 and verse 24. What does that mean? It means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit took initiative in giving us love and kindness, and mercy when we really were not just undeserving, we were ill-deserving. Grace. What saves? Love. God so loved the world that he sent his Son. That whosoever should not, that whoever believes in him should not perish. He came to save. Love was the reason. God commends his love to us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Romans 5 verse 8. But when you look at it, God's love makes salvation possible, but man must respond to Father, Son, and Spirit, and God's grace and love by loving too. 
What's the great commandment? To love Him with what? All. Our heart and soul and mind. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. Now, stop and let that sink in just a little bit. Because if there is a God in heaven, and we call God Father, Son, and Spirit, and He has acted in grace and in love to make deliverance, salvation, rescue possible... He wants people to be saved. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4, how one responds to that desire for rescue. Remember, the implications, one needs and desires deliverance and rescue, and one is willing. God is willing Are you? Am I? Notice next, mercy saves. Open your Bibles to Titus 3 verse 5. Mercy saves. When you look at Scripture, here's what it says here in Titus 3 verse 5. It says, He saved us. He did. God did. How? Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to His mercy. Mercy is given to people who really don't deserve it. Mercy is extended and is treating someone better than they deserved. Oh, how salvation treats people better than we could ever have deserved. The name of Christ saves. Notice what the Bible's doing. There's salvation in no other. There's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4 and verse 12 that Milton read for us in the Scripture reading just a little bit earlier. It will be by the authority and power of Jesus that one is saved if one is rescued and delivered from sin. And this is a very exclusive and powerful statement. No other name. The name of Jesus, His power, His authority make salvation possible, not anyone else. The blood of Jesus saves. Turn to Ephesians 1 verse 7. Ephesians 1 verse 7. And it's terminology that's all about salvation. You have forgiveness. You have redemption. And redemption and forgiveness are found in the blood of Jesus through His blood. The blood of Christ. The Apostle John would put it this way in 1 John 1, 7 through 9. Terminology most of us would get. The blood of Jesus cleanses 
us from all sin. It is fascinating to simply let the Bible speak concerning who and what saves. To let the Word of God speak. To let the New Testament speak. We've moved somewhat quickly, but I think you can get the gist of things. The Word of God would indicate in the New Testament that the cross of Christ saves. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 18 and then verse 21. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and verse 21. For the message of the cross, the word of the cross, is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing, to those that are dying to those that need rescue but are not accepting it, to those who are lost, but to us who believe it is the power of God. Now go down to verse 21 in the same chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and it says that God chose to save through Preaching. Well, what do you mean by preaching? Articulating words, speaking words. You spoke words whereby people could be saved. Acts 11, 14 through 18. Words about what? About the Father and the Son and the Spirit. About grace and love and mercy. About the name of Christ and the blood of Christ and the cross of Christ. Preaching that honors God must honor, first of all, what the Bible says about God and what the Bible, secondly, says about salvation and God's will. Preaching that doesn't honor the person of God and His character and what He believes and has taught concerning salvation and His Word doesn't honor God. Then the text would tell us in the New Testament, the resurrection saves. When we talk about Christ's death, let's don't just leave him on the cross, please. A friend of mine was teaching in a school and teaching a bunch of young preachers, and he was teaching through the, one of the gospel accounts, and he, got, he ran out of time before he got to the resurrection. No resurrection leaving Jesus on the cross. The resurrection of Jesus saves. Look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. Paul says, I make known to you the gospel. I have preached to you the gospel. You have received the gospel. You stand in the gospel. And you are going to be saved by the gospel if you continue in its truth faithfully. Resurrection. When he talks about Jesus, he talks about Christ's death and his burial and resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Turn to Romans quickly. 
Look at Romans chapter 4, verse 25. The resurrection of Jesus rescues or delivers the fact that God raised him up is the assurance, the promise, the guarantee that we can be rescued and delivered to and know eternal life. Romans 4.25, He, Jesus, was delivered for our offenses and raised for what? Our justification. Big word, our salvation. Our deliverance, rescue from danger and loss. The life of Christ saves While here, Thomas, he lived a perfect and sinless life. But he, when he went to the cross, he didn't deserve death. But he was raised by God. His life saves. Look, if you will, at Romans chapter 5 and look at verses 8 through 10. And Brother Terry Pafford, if you don't mind, stand and read Romans 5, 8 through 10, and pay attention to each verse. Saved by his life. Verse 8, God's love. Verse 9, 8 and 9, his cross, his blood. Verse 10, the reconciliation and life that he gives. He brings back people where there'd been a rift, where there'd been estrangement, where there'd been separation. The life of Christ saves. Lastly, how many, did, how many times does the Bible answer the question, how many different answers, how many different responses, who saves, what saves, how many? This is only number 12. Please come back for part two. You may understand this, but I will suspect you have a loved one or friend or co-worker who does not. The Bible says we must choose to save ourselves. You remember that? The idea that you desire and want deliverance and rescue? Turn to Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. Interestingly enough, this is on the day the church began. And as Peter and the other apostles were preaching on that occasion, look at Acts 2 and verse 40, and he said, Save yourselves. Save yourselves from this crooked, this wicked world. You need to resp- He's been preaching about God and the cross, and he's been talking about grace and mercy and love. He's been talking about the resurrection. 
And he tells them to save themselves. In Acts 16.30, there is the question asked by someone who was not a Christian just yet, what must I do to be saved? There is a response. A response to Father, Son, and Spirit. A response to God's grace and to His love and mercy. A response to the name of Christ, the blood of Christ, the cross of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the life of Christ. It's choosing to respond to God in Christ. Something must be done by us to be saved. However, that in no way takes away or negates the other items. Friends, it is a package deal. If God says something is required, something is necessary for salvation, we need to take notice. We need to respect that. We need to appreciate that. And going back to what we're talking about today, and you could follow along in your Bibles. Is it necessary? I'll get there. Father, can we take the Father out of the equation? Can we take Jesus out of the equation? Can we take the Holy Spirit? Can we take grace out of the equation? How about love and mercy? How about the name of Christ and His authority and power? How about the blood of Jesus? How about the cross? Can we take the cross out of the equation? Well, I don't like the idea of someone having to die for me. Whether we like it or not is beside the point. God sent Jesus because He wanted to rescue and deliver us from sin. And while I don't understand all of that, I am grateful that that happened, aren't you? Choose salvation. If we can assist you in that, we would be delighted. But I want you to know this. When God says something is essential for salvation, it's essential. Nobody can take it off. Other things may be involved, right? Just like we were studying today. The Word of God attributes salvation to a number of who's and a number of what's. We need to take the package deal. Because really it is an exclusive offer of deliverance, hope, and salvation. When one comes to Jesus in faith and repentance and baptism, one is added to the Lord's church. Have you been? Have you been to Jesus? What the gospel says about salvation matters. And tonight we'll look at the second part of this study. It's very simple and I make no apologies. But I suspect as long as many have been Christians here in this assembly. Brother Bill, you're a good Bible student, but I bet you didn't know that if you were looking at the Bible, 
that the Bible says 27 things in the New Testament, 27 answers from the New Testament about who or what saves. It's important because it involves being right with God. Let's stand and sing.